0: actually all three of us all three of my siblings we really were hit hard with first the big change of moving from private school to public Mm -hmm. school and then also my parents at the time to divorced as well and Mm so so it just had two major life changes and so we all three of us decided to go the route of coping by we dove into things we really shouldn't have but we did a lot of experimenting and partying and trying drugs at a young age. My brother was 11 years old. He was already using and, and smoking cigarettes. And so, so just a, a crazy 180.
1: Hello, I'm Paul Munir, the Executive Director of the Youth Intervention Programs Association, and I'm a youth worker at heart. How lucky am I? I have the privilege to meet youth workers from around the globe and learn their stories and share them with the entire world. I'm glad you're listening because together we'll learn how their life experiences shape their youth work. As you listen, I encourage you to consider how your experiences shape what you have to offer young people. Welcome to this edition of The Passionate Youth Worker. Hi, everybody. For this episode, we're joined by Ashley Stoll from Wisconsin in the United States. Ashley is the director and co-founder of Tandem, a faith-based mentoring program where intentional relationships are the focus and every young person is welcome. Ashley, thanks for being a guest on the podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward
1: to it. Oh, you know what? So am I. I'm really looking forward to it because for one reason... You have the bubbliest personality I've ever met. I just find your energy contagious.
0: Oh, thank you. Really? Have you always been that way? You know, I have been. I guess uh, my mom was just telling me yesterday or or a couple days ago at the party that we had that I um, was just a a content baby and a happy baby, just like my third born. And so I guess it has. Yeah, it's in me. Uh, be more optimistic in life.
1: <laughs> well, so. it's easy to tell uh, from the moment we met you. I thought this person has so much energy and so much vitality to her. It's going to be really fun to get to know you. Uh-oh. And do other people say that about you too? It's not just me, right? I mean, they other do. people pick this up.
0: Yeah, I definitely. I've been called bubbly before, and, and yeah, it is. It's. I try try to breathe a light to people, and and I enjoy other people like that. And so it's it's yeah, I think it's fun. Well, your bubbly
1: personality probably fits really well into youth work. And I bet you young people and co-workers really enjoy spending time with you and getting to know you. So I feel the same way. I feel like a young person. I can't wait to just get to know you. And I'd like to just start by asking a question about you and interviewing. I know when we were first getting to know each other, you said... I love to interview people, and now the table is turned. I'm interviewing you. But tell me, why do you like to interview people so much?
0: Yeah, yeah. So for my position, it's a mentorship program, so I get to interview both the mentors and the mentees and volunteers, so actually everybody part of the program. But but I do, I love getting to know people. And for the mentors, I love to see the why behind. They want to become a mentor. And, and for the mentees, too, what, what interests them. And, and just getting to know people people in general I think (laughs) to keep it simple just everyone's different and unique and they all everyone has a beautiful beautiful story and personality to get to know. So that was probably why I love doing it. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. And everybody does have a great
1: story. That's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is I get to just talk with remarkable people like you. When you interview people and you ask them about their why, is there something in particular you like to hear or something that says, ah, that person's why is going to be perfect for being a mentor?
0: Oh, yeah, you definitely can tell when Somebody really loves children and have a has a passion, but I I specifically look for people that actually have gone through a little bit in their past and have overcome oh. it, and and so I know that's a little bit of a different different answer, but I, I really love I see I tell people like the longer the rap sheet the better because <laughs> it just <laughs> like they've gone through it and they understand it and they can have empathy for the youth. We work with a lot of youth that have faced adversity in the past, and so. So that's that's what I look for. But also, we're in the hiring phase too for our for a position. So to work with the youth, I do have um, really looking for somebody that has high energy and it's so on that end too. High energy and and just loves loves kids and has a passion for them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so cool.
1: that's so true, isn't it? A lot of people in the field of youth work do have things that they've gone through in their own childhood, whether it was trauma or other situations where they just made bad mistakes. Uh, sometimes they make pretty good youth workers, uh, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. We've A lot of mentors um, that have signed up, that's their reasoning why is because they felt they needed a mentor growing up or they had one that poured into them and they want to pay that forward. And so it's really cool to hear people's stories and and see the why behind what they do. <laughs>
1: I always ahead. think it's so cool when people take things in their life that could make them angry, could make them withdraw, could make them want to rebel against society and turn it into a positive thing. Those are always my favorite kind of people. And I know that you've got a story like that. So let's start talking about that a little bit. So you grew up in a Christian home and. I think very involved with your family and church and everything like that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your earlier years with your brother and your sister? And
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had uh, two siblings, brother and sister, and we all grew up Christian, loving parents. Uh, my mom's a therapist, and so she has that care. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, right. it's hard when you have to try to get stuff by mom, right? Yeah, yeah. Here. I used to, yeah, I used to not like it. I'd be like, oh, I'm not your client. But now I love it. I go to her all the time and ask for advice but my lovely teen years but yeah and awesome parents um but yeah just grew up in a home that really had uh, some high morals and um I guess all all of us my siblings that I in our teen years would consider it sheltered. Now that I'm older and have kids of my own, I realize like they just were trying to do the best and the most loving thing that they could do. So I went to a private elementary school and and all of that and so but yeah you know, in, in what sort of ways did it feel like it was sheltered? Yeah, I know a lot of the mainstream movies and games like Pokemon and things like that were considered a little bit too worldly and and so we were able to celebrate like dress up for Halloween and things like that but it was I remember we couldn't watch Harry Potter and Rugrats and all all these things that friends were doing and so we saw it as being sheltered but it is there's there's some some things out there you don't really want to expose to youth and kids and try to try to keep them. I don't know, as innocent as possible for as long as possible. But so I understand the meaning behind it. But yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, what did you do when other kids were watching Rugrats and things like that? What did you say to them? Or did you try to tell them that they shouldn't be watching it? Or did you just watch it and? not tell your parents about it at your <laughs> friends house or what did you do
0: yeah you know i guess i yeah i just, just said that my parents won't let me watch that and and so yeah it, it actually wasn't really a big deal up until middle school when we transferred from the private school to the middle school that's when we realized like, how uh, i think it was a big sh- uh, culture shock when we realized that yeah our life is pretty different than the the world out there and so just heard heard a lot of swear words i what i never heard before and a lot of other other things i don't have to dive into but just yeah it was a very big culture shock and so i think that was when i realized like okay i'm sheltered in this way but
1: I bet that was a big change going from a school where you had a lot of control and then you went to a public school and there's a lot of kids that didn't have that kind of same upbringing. What did you think? Did you want to escape from your environment and try to do things different? Or did you think, oh my gosh, these kids are saying things that they should never say and I don't want to be part of that? Or
0: how did you cope with that big change? Yeah, I definitely chose the route of wanting to fit in. I, I realized I was different and I, I knew it for sure. Um, it was very clear. And, and so I obviously like to relate with people and, and to be friends with as many people as possible. And so I took the route of just deciding to mimic behaviors. And so that's when I actually all three of us, all three of my siblings, we really were um, hit hard with uh, first first the big change of moving from private school to uh, public mm-hmm. school and then also my parents at the time too um, divorced as well and mm-hmm. so so it just had two major life changes and so we all three of us decided to go the route of coping by yeah just we we dove into things that we really shouldn't have but we did a lot of experimenting and um partying and trying drugs at a young age um I know my brother was 11 years old he was he was already using and and smoking cigarettes and so just a a crazy crazy 180 we all were like the typical Christian kids (laughs) and then yeah growing up um and moving to a public school we just changed instantly you could see it in the pictures if you were to look at us Yeah, I bet that your world must have felt kind of upside
1: down at that point. Your parents divorced, you're in this new school, meeting all kinds of kids that you didn't have a lot of exposure to. And then now you're dabbling in drugs and alcohol. And can you think back to those years, just challenge you to kind of test your memory? What were you thinking about things at that time?
0: Yeah, I definitely was searching for what love meant. I know that was my personal Mm. story. I realized at that time there was a big hole in my heart of like okay my my parents are split what's that what does love really look like if it's separated in our home and so yeah I, I had this deep desire I didn't I couldn't tell you that at that um in my teen life but mm. as an adult looking back I'm like wow I was really searching for love in all the wrong places and so yeah I just I, I felt a lot of anxiety and but wanted to played off that I didn't have any, any problems. I'm like, oh, life is still good, but, but still had a lot going on underneath. Yeah, it was a hard, it was a hard season. Sure. yeah
1: i bet it was a season that's a good way to describe it a, a phase in your life or a season in your life certainly we've all yeah. gone through seasons that feel like a blizzard the middle of winter and yeah. things seem unsettled and cold and ruthless and yeah. it sounds like you went through an experience like that and then what were your parents thinking they must have known that you guys were doing this stuff right and they must have been really opposed to it yeah
0: yeah well you know i <laughs> i so my par- my parents knew about my siblings they were pretty um pretty loud with their behaviors and and I was a little bit quieter. I, I was the, considered the peacemaker in the family. I didn't want the, my parents to know and and so they actually didn't know about my life, my double life going on until I was older and and had a big transformation. And so so they were pretty surprised when I kind of opened up and shared everything that I went through, but I think yeah, it's made me who I am today. So I don't regret it, actually, in a crazy way to, to say like it was. I wouldn't want anybody else to go through it, but it really has helped me along the way and really has led me to what I'm doing today. So,
1: you know, I can relate with that, Ashley, too. You know, I, I went through a rebellion uh period in my adolescent years, too. Yeah. And I think of all the things that I've done, the crazy things that it's lucky that I'm still here. Right. You know, yeah. and and i and I don't regret a second of it, but I just would never choose that path again, yeah, I'm wondering yeah. is that kind of how you see it as well?
0: yeah, hundred percent if yeah, I tell i so're guardians of my niece um sixteen year old niece, and I tell her all the time, I'm like, yeah, you you have a great head on your shoulders. I'm like, I wish I knew <laughs> knew what you know ha- right now, I wish I knew that at my age. it is it's it does make a difference if you can can start younger with those mentalities and those ideas and those truths in your heart that knowing your true identity, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So you went through this period, you're changed, you're not doing drugs and not partying anymore. You started this program to mentor other young people, a faith-based program. How did your world change? How did it come back full circle into now? I know you're very spiritual. You're very uh, devout in your Christian faith. Yeah. How did that all come back? What What is the story behind partying one day and now Ashley today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. took me up until 19 years old. Um, Well, actually, no, I'll back up. I'll back up a little bit. It was in high school. So I was about 17 and my brother at the time was going to a Christian rehab called Teen Challenge in the cities. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's it's an awesome Mm -hmm. faith-based rehab that they pour into. There's youth and adult men that go there as well, but they um, teach them how to overcome their addictions by showing them what it looks like to have a faith in Jesus and and so while my brother was there he wrote me a letter and at the time it didn't mean anything to me. I was like, oh, okay, Shane's kind of drinking the juice or <laughs> just got, yeah. uh, but um but yeah but now I cling to that letter I love it but it said in there he said, Ashley, I know this is going to be hard for you but if you can find it in your heart, To believe in Jesus and that He will change your life completely, and and having hope in Him is the only thing that can really bring you true peace and joy, a deep rooted peace and joy. And He told me that I would have to probably lose a lot of friends if I chose this route, but uh, I had to change my life. But it definitely is worth it. And so that was the start of it. And then when he got out of Teen Challenge, he started to minister to one of my best friends. We were actually partying together. We just moved out and, and um, she lived with a drug dealer at the time. So it was just pretty opposite lifestyles. But my brother was meeting with her in the coffee shops and talking to her and showing her the life that he just uh, started to accept and make his own. And she she decided to say yes to it, too. She's like, this is this is beautiful. I want this hope and joy, and there's nothing like that out there in this world. So she said yes, and I was still pretty annoyed. I'm like, man, taking my best friend <laughs> away, and, and just be, siblings. I, yeah, you get kind of, I don't know, don't usually get annoyed with anybody else, but with siblings. <laughs> You can, you have that special relationship with. So, anyways, he just through seeing the change through my best friend, I realized too, it's like, okay, two of the closest people mm-hmm. in my life, seeing that change from them going from heavy partying to having no hope to having all their hope in Jesus and changing their life around really stuck with me and t- impressed me. So, that's when mm-hmm. I decided to say yes to.
1: And was your brother always a mentor? Even when you were partying or even at the early years, did you turn to him for advice or security or safety or anything like that? Or or was this just something totally different than your relationship was based on?
0: Yeah, it it was totally different. He he was. Mm. He was just... He was a different kid. He was angry. He got expelled a bunch. They graduated him in eighth grade just because they didn't want him in the school anymore. <laughs> and wow. So he was just yeah. not. He was like, yeah, yeah. Poster, mm-hmm. poster book for um, all the things that <laughs> could go wrong. He <laughs> did and But it just showed. How big of a transformation it was, it really made me believe like, okay, there is something to having a relationship with this this Jesus they say is so good, and so once i once I tried it out for myself, I'm like, yeah, I do i love love this life change, and that's really the whole base to my whole life. It's flipped my world one eighty completely. <laughs>
1: Ashley, it's been really interesting getting to know you. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, I would like to ask you about some trauma that you've experienced in your family and also talk into like how that's influenced you for starting Tandem. So we'll be right back after this break. No matter how you support our young people, the professional youth worker powered by Yippa has your training and learning needs covered. Visit training.yipa.org, that's training.yipa.org, to see for yourself, and then join the thousands of youth workers around the globe who learn from our easy-to-access, exceptional trainings. From our blogs to our podcasts, The Professional Youth Worker is your go-to resource for tools to help you keep going, keep learning, and keep growing. Members enjoy free, unlimited access to live online and on-demand trainings, and a preferred discount pricing for our one-of-a-kind certificate course. Annual memberships are just $99 for individuals and only $250 for your entire organization. Visit training.yipa.org today to learn more. That's training.yipa.org. And we're back with Ashley Stoll from Wisconsin in the United States. She is the co-founder and director of Tandem, a faith-based mentoring program. Before the break, you were talking about the relationship with your brother and how that changed everything. Um, This is going to be a sensitive topic, I know, but your brother just recently passed away not too long ago, and you are willing to talk about this. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened and how that's influenced you? Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's still still pretty tender. (laughs) Actually, this last year has been really tough one I know for everybody with COVID but I did I had my siblings both my siblings uh, my older sister Angie pass away in August of 2020 and then my younger brother Shane that the one I've been talking about he he passed away um October of 2020 so it hasn't quite been a year so it's it's been um yeah it's been really really hard but with that being said it's just makes me realize how significant. I I knew at the time when he helped bring me um, back to Christ and make me realize how special it is to have a relationship with him. I knew that was important, but yeah, after him passing away, it made me realize even more like, wow, he's a significant part of my my story and my life. And, And so he was actually part of at the beginning stages of Tandem as well and, and loves youth. Mm. He was great with kids. He had the long hair, and so all the kids would call him Thor and and, and just loved when Shane was around. And he's been a big part of the beginning stages. But I feel, I'm sorry, I got a little emotional, so I, I, um, I'm missing the question that you asked, if you, could, if you could say it one more time.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I'm just really sorry for your loss. And what I was wondering is, how has that impacted you, and how are you coping with the, that? And and if you don't mind, did they die from COVID or did they die from some other cause?
0: Actually, it wasn't COVID, but yeah, they both had some heavy heavy issues that they uh, both mental health, and so they coped with that. Um, I know my brother was able to go to the rehab and overcome drugs when he was younger, but <laughs> they have always really had a grip on him. And so he was able to be clean for a really long time, And but just towards the end of his life, he started dabbling back into mm. drugs. And, and, and so it took over him quickly, and, and he yeah. knew he needed – he said he needed a miracle to help him get back off of it. He was on meth, and, and so it was just – yeah, mm. it's just such – a life sucker and it gripped him. And so, so he died from a brain aneurysm of, um, you know, just being awake for 13 days and, and his body couldn't take it anymore. And, but yeah, but still had a deep, deep, strong relationship with Jesus. And so it just helped strengthen my faith that growing up thinking that Christianity needed to look perfect. And after having yeah. a, a brother that went through alcoholism but and um, drug abuse and still loving Jesus, it's like, you know, uh, yeah. God has so much grace and mercy and, and he meets you where you're at and, and don't, you don't have to look perfect <laughs> and God does that through you. And yeah. And so with my sister too, she um, started to believe towards the end of her life, thankfully too. So I'm, I cling to that, that I get to see them when they're, when, when I um, go to heaven, uh, it's been my main coping, but yeah, but she ended up having some um, drug and alcohol abuse as well and was just starting to get clean too. But her heart was um, giving out on her and had a lot of health issues, whole list of them, and so, so she passed away from a heart failure, is what they think. She went missing for a week, was on the news. I don't know if, if it made to the, to the cities over to you, but she was, yeah, missing for a week, and we, we didn't know what was going on, and thought maybe it was another drug binge, and she was found in the middle of a field, and, and so that's. Yeah, what we what we think she it's a heart failure, but not a hundred percent sure. So, yeah. Regardless, it was well, hard. Oh. I, I
1: can't imagine the the grief and the the, the sorrow you must feel. I, I know you felt really strongly connected to them, and to yeah. have to go through this two in one year is just yeah. unbelievable. I know faith is a fundamental part of who you are and I'm certain that faith is keeping you strong yeah, during yeah. this tough time. But what else are you doing to keep plugging away and trying you're trying so hard to give back to other people through tandem and your uh, all the work you're doing. How do you do all this? How do you keep going?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think more than ever after losing my siblings and having that really first experience, I've lost grandparents, but always like justified because they're like, okay, they're they're older and um, needed to be released from this world and of all the pain. But this is my first time really experiencing deep grief of losing somebody that you weren't expecting to lose and to within a short time. And so that has made me realize the just how fragile human life is in this world. And and relationships are really the only thing that you take with you moving on. And and so I've always, always had a heart for relationships and love building relationships with people. But after losing them, there's a deeper sense of wanting to love even deeper and wanting to be more present and intentional and using the time that we do have, because we don't know if we'll have tomorrow. And and that's more real to me every day. It's like, okay, this is want to make today count the day that I have and the moment that I have. I think that with the youth work that I do, I think that makes me realize these kids too, a lot of them have lost um, a parent or a sibling. And just the stories that are coming out of the kids and the people that I know now, it's making me realize like, wow, this is what they've gone through and what they're going through. And yeah, it's brought us closer to, um, there's a group of us at Tandem that we meet once a week and we have support groups and a lot of people talk about the grief. And, and so it's been really good just, just to connect on that level and build empathy for each other. But all in all, it just has encouraged me to be more, even more relational than I was before. Well,
1: thank you for sharing that story. I'm sure all the listeners can feel your pain. We've all gone through something like that certainly you're in the middle of it. It's the raw moment of of just pure grief. And you're very brave to come on and talk about those. And I'm sure it's going to help some of our listeners. So thank you. I'm wondering if there's a way that you've been thinking about, can you turn this into something that is going to be meaningful or purposeful in a way that you can give to other people? Have you thought about that at all? Or is it too early to put that into perspective?
0: Yeah. Yeah, actually, we have. Because I do. I'm I'm a firm believer in that Jesus, everything he does, it's all for a purpose. And he turns everything for good, what the enemy meant for evil. And so it's like, I I definitely believe in that. And and so I'm like looking for the, the opportunity. And so really right now, the next step is to be with those people that are hurting and to to be more intentional but also my dad and i were talking about this and how healing it is just to be able to be around other people that have gone through and so we thought about maybe a, a support group too outside of tandem so for all ages just to be there and, and be able to grieve together and, and talk about the loss but without an agenda or anything just to to be there for one another so We started off
1: this episode talking about your laundry list that's on their resume, things that they've gone through. (laughs) Certainly, if you can turn these experiences into a way to help other people, that is truly a gift that a lot of people don't have. A lot of people turn angry and withdraw. And if you can turn that into giving back to somebody else, that's just going to be a remarkable tool and power that you have. And I certainly hope that you can take this and run with it and make everything at Tandem flourish and the relationships with the young people, I hope that they really take off and somehow this can be a benefit to their lives somehow for the young people that you serve. You said something before that I really want to get back to, and I wrote it down so I didn't forget about (laughs) it. You said when you were younger, you were just looking for love.
0: Yeah.
1: and. I'm wondering, do you feel like you found it, or is it a quest that is always going to be there that you're always just looking for it to find better or more? Or where are you at with looking for love these Uh, days?
0: Yeah, oh, that gives me goosebumps just thinking of it. I, I have. I. That's actually. Well, that was a good question on
1: my part then, wasn't it? it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I definitely, definitely have found that aching that I had in my middle and high school experience. And even into college, I just ached and ached and really felt like I could never f- fulfill it. I was trying with friends and boyfriends and drugs and alcohol. And, and finally, I, um, what replaced that is my relationship with Jesus. So in the beginning, that was more like works and just trying to be a good Christian and reading the Bible. And then it clicked one day of like, wow, no, this is a relationship that's meant to fill the deep ache in my heart. So it's been really good. I and I, God bless me too, with an amazing husband and children. And so I feel like right now my heart's just bursting with <laughs> with love of completely opposite of what I felt when I was younger. And and so it is. It's is not really- that
1: amazing I, through this <laughs> tough time in your life, the trauma that you've just endured, that you're just you're so. Full of energy and so full of love. It's just, it's <laughs> oh, incredible. Yeah. I was thinking you are going to answer the question that yeah, you've found a lot of love. I, I could, I could <laughs> sense that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I think without, um, without my faith and without my family and the people around me, I just, I look at other people going through situations without that type of love or without that knowing that they have a Jesus that cares for them so much. And, and my heart aches for them. I'm like, I, I don't know how I would be able to do it without these key components in my life. And so I do. That's I think that's what makes me so passionate and why our mentorship is faith-based. Yeah, we're not pushy or evangelistic or want to force the children, but we're just very open and Loud about about our love for Jesus and hopes that they would be interested in it too. And so, so that's a hundred percent why <laughs> the reason yeah. behind why we do yeah. what we do. Yeah. Did you
1: find it kind of scary? Did it seem like a big jump to start an organization that oh, yeah. uh, does mentoring? It's it's a big step to say I'm not going to have a regular job. I'm going to start something myself most yeah. people don't do that was that a, <laughs> a scary decision for you
0: it really was it was yeah. i am um, yeah it started out as volunteer um, and then somebody's like wow there needs one other person at this youth center to, that's paid and can do this and so just so i did i had a season where i was just trying to make up my own job and i'm like what does this look like there was there was a lot of, of anxiety in the beginning and, and not feeling qualified at all the statement that just keeps coming to me that really got me through was that God qualifies the call. And and so that really, that rings true to me today. I still don't feel qualified to be in this position and, and to be a founder, um, a co-founder of a nonprofit and a, a director, but he, he equips me every day. He helps me get through and now, yeah, we're established and we have a board and a team of great volunteers, and we're growing, and so it's really cool. There's a lot of fruit from it, <laughs> so so it's cool to see.
1: Well, I, I wish you the best of luck, and, and from my perspective, Ashley, I think that you are uniquely qualified to be the co-founder and the director of Tandem. I think you're going to do wonderful things with this, and I think you're going to impact so many lives in a positive sort of way. So I'm really glad that you're doing that, and I'm really grateful that you are so committed to giving back to others and to mm-hmm. helping them try to find their love in their world. You're just really sharing that whole notion.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank so, Thanks for that encouragement. <laughs> yeah. You're
1: welcome. We're almost out of time, but before we go, I ask every guest that comes on, the Passionate Youth Worker, what words of wisdom or inspiration would
0: you like to share with the listeners? I would say if you don't feel qualified, but you have a passion to, to just start and to take that first step and see where it takes you. Because <laughs> it really is. It's, it's a great journey that I wish for everybody to experience. And I know fear holds a lot of us back. And I'm thankful that I said yes, even though I was terrified, but to just start, to make it simple. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: If you would like to share your passion for youth work, we'd love to spotlight you as a guest. If you have feedback about the show, please let us know. Just visit training.yipa.org, that's training.yipa.org, and click on the podcast tab. This podcast is made possible in part due to a generous contribution from M Health Fairview. I'm your host, Paul Munir. Thanks for listening to The Passionate Youth Worker.